Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Marcy Hahn. Marcy served 15 years as a legal executive for a Fortune 10 company before pivoting mid-career to follow her passion, which is helping clients navigate through the uncertainty and pain of divorce. Now, Marcy survived a bitter divorce of her own in 2011 with two small children. So she knows exactly how it feels to dismantle your family, protect your children from trauma, secure your finances and start all over again. Her global business experience, coupled with her family law expertise and compassionate advocacy, uniquely position her to guide you. She's the founder of Lotus Legal Solutions, PLLC, a law firm in the United States named after the lotus flower, which blooms following its beginnings in murky, stagnant water. Marcy is dedicated to helping her clients thrive. She's got a broad range of legal expertise, including family law, litigation, and enterprise risk mitigation. She has mediated multi-million dollar cases and is a certified mediator and certified collaborative divorce professional. So I'm super excited to welcome Marcy to the show. Welcome, Marcy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's super great to have you on the show because I know you have me as one of your guests on your podcast. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. I know it's doing really well. It is. Thank you. It's called Divorce, What to Expect. And it's a guide to helping people minimize pain and maximize healing and move on with their life. So I think you and I both have a lot of overlap in terms of what we're trying to help people do. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you also went through your own breakup. Would you mind sharing a little bit for our listeners to tell a little bit about what you went through? Sure. Happy to. So in 2011, I went through my own divorce. So that's been a decade now or almost a decade. And my kids were really young. They were five and three. And so it was, you know, it's really a challenge. It's hard. I was working full time at a large corporation as an in-house counsel. And it's just, it can be really difficult to dismantle your financial and emotional life and really try to pick yourself up and move on. But it really has caused me to completely make a career change. And I now find that I'm extremely passionate about helping people move from a really difficult relationship to a much better place. And I think the advocates in this space who've been through their own divorce come at it with a very unique perspective. Because not only are you providing legal support for people in this time of need, but you've been through it yourself. So you really have a compassion and the ability to connect with your clients in a way that I think some other advocates don't. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really key. And it goes the same for in my field as coach. If you've been through something yourself, you're much more empowered to help other people because well, you know you can survive because you've survived yourself. So that's why I'm excited because having you on the show, you've got the legal experience. You've also been through your own experience. You've come through it with two small children. Navigating that is, again, a life experience in its own. So 
how did you cope? I know that you've got some tips. Would you be able to share them with us? Yeah, absolutely. I would be happy to. So, you know, one of the first things that I think is really important to do is to figure out who your support network is going to be when you're going through either the breakup or the divorce. Because I think that sometimes you can choose people that end up being more draining than helpful. So what I mean by that is, you know, some people are, for example, very close with their parents. But sometimes your mom is not going to be the best person to be your support network when you're going through this because likely that parent or someone who's extremely close to you is going to be experiencing their own loss. And so they may not be in the right position to really provide you with the kind of support that you need. So I would say find a therapist, find a coach. You're really going to need to be able to compartmentalize and to talk to somebody who can help you through this, who doesn't also have their own kind of emotional agenda tied up into it. I think that's really important. I also think it's important that, you know, lots of times you'll have a lot of friends who want to be there for you and they want to know how you're doing and how you're feeling and they want an update. And it can actually add more stress to the situation if you feel like you have to update other people on how you're doing. I think you have to kind of create a little bit of a boundary, have a couple very close confidants, or like I said, a coach or a therapist who can be that neutral support. And then just ask some of your other friends for a little bit of space because it can be exhausting having ongoing interactions with multiple different people about where you are in the process. So that's one of the personal tips that I give. And just a couple more like other practical things to really, really be thinking about. I think that you should be really mindful of your social media posts during this time, um, particularly if you're going to be litigating in your divorce, if you're going to be going through that process, you don't really want to be the party who's been out there disparaging the other party on social media. So I think it's really important to be mindful of your communications. And also, some other things to think about would be to make sure that you're changing your electronic passwords. So if your partner may have access to some of those things, you want to be thinking about making sure that you're able to secure uh, your online identity and also create a new personal email address for your communications related to this because you want to maintain separation from your work email address when you're dealing with legal matters. Wow, they're great tips. I know a few clients actually that I've got at the moment that have been caught out by the passwords, not changing them, and also finding out information from having their devices all connected on the same Wi-Fi. And yeah, that really can open up some issues with confidentiality when you're getting WhatsApps and messages coming up and maybe emails too, which maybe you shouldn't be seeing or you don't want your partner to see. So yes, really good advice. Yeah, there can be some big fallout from that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my clients, when they come to me, they are very nervous about the legal process. I think quite understandably, because it is very daunting. Mm-hmm. Some people see it as very final. Like if I speak to a, a lawyer, as we call it here in the UK, we speak to someone about our, my divorce or getting divorced. That's so final. What advice would you give to them? So what I would say is it's about new beginnings and it's really about moving forward. If you think a divorce, just the word divorce just sounds so terrible. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It sounds harsh. It does sound final and it is final, but you got to think about it in a way that this is an opportunity to 
close a significant chapter in your life and really, really move forward. More specifically, I know that there are people who are really nervous about going to court and talking to judges or even talking to lawyers. They're nervous about it. Yeah. One of the things I really encourage people to do, and now it's, even though the pandemic has made court so much different than we used to know it, it becomes much more accessible to people. So I recommend that my clients log into the Zoom of the family court judge that is going to be responsible for their case once they know who their judge is. And you can log in as a member of the public and you can sit for maybe an hour, maybe half hour, and just get a feel for the types of matters that that judge is hearing, what the litigants are saying, how the judge is handling the cases, because it gives you a comfort level. It just helps you understand what it is that you're dealing with. And it takes some of the mystery out of it. So before we had the global pandemic where court is most of family court, at least in our area, is by Zoom now, I would actually have my clients go to the courthouse. I said, just go to the courthouse, spend a couple hours in the morning sitting there and seeing what goes on because it gives you a perspective about your circumstances in your case that you otherwise might not have. That's really interesting because in the UK, we can't do that. Well, I'm pretty oh. sure we can't okay. do that. Yeah. I mean, in my experiences, you know, you go in, if your name's on a list, you let you in. If it's not, I, I don't know how that works. That would be interesting to research over here. But I've, I'm pretty sure the judges don't have a Zoom that you can just log into because everything in the family court here is secret and confidential. And everything so, here is open. So our adoption uh, proceedings are closed, but here our courts are open. And so... It can help give people a perspective about what they are going to be dealing with. So if you're in a situation where you can't do that and your courts aren't public, then obviously you'll have to rely on your counsel to tell you what they know about the judge and based on their experience, what you can expect. But I do find that if there's a way for the client to participate in a case that's not theirs or even just to listen in, it can be a way to demystify the process a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure that really helps. Yeah, it would be great if we could do that over here. It's good advice. So also the jargon that you guys use can be really overwhelming. I mean, it's almost a different language at times, which again, can put clients on the back foot. We can feel a little bit less confident because sometimes we don't understand exactly what's going on, what the process is, and that makes it even more intimidating. Have you got any advice to help clients through that initial process where there's so many different terminology that's used can just scare people? I think this is where making sure that you hire somebody that you feel really comfortable with is really important. So each lawyer, of course, has a different communication style. But I think a lot of lawyers forget because we live in this world and we use these terms all the time. It's very common for us. But the people that are coming to us have only got one divorce and they've only got one breakup and they've only got one paternity suit or case involving a child that they had out of wedlock. So for them, it's brand new. So choosing a lawyer who is able to just be aware of that and really talk about things in practical terms, I think really makes a big difference. I always advise my clients to interview more than one person. I think it's really important. You're going to be making really important decisions with this person and you're going to be relying on their advice for some really significant choices that you're forced to make. And it's just really important that you pick somebody that you can trust and whose 
judgment you trust because the other thing is you're going to be spending a lot of time with that person, whether it's at court or on the phone or on a Zoom or in a conference room. And you just really want to pick somebody whose style matches the style of the kind of divorce that you want to have. Yes, because I know in the UK, if you go for certain law firms, you're up for a big battle and it's going to be even more acrimonious, whereas there's others that are going to try to do it in a more collaborative way, potentially. But it's not always possible to have an amicable divorce, is it? No, it's not. It really is not. And even if you go into it with the intention that you're not going to fight or you're going to approach it and take the high road, a lot of it is dependent on how the other party chooses to come with their intention. So if you've got two people and only one of them is not wanting to fight, both of them typically end up fighting because, you know, if the other side wants to fight, you usually have to fight back. But it's a good point that leads me to idea that at least in the United States, there are different ways to get divorced. And I think people don't think about that. They just think, oh, well, I talked to my friend and she had this really terrible divorce. And so now I'm going to get divorced and I'm going to go have a really terrible divorce and it'll all be litigated and terrible. But actually, there are different ways. So here we have collaborative law practice, which is actually international practice. So I'm assuming there are people. Yes, we have that here. Yeah, yeah, have that too. And so, you know, that is a method. It's a whole different way of getting divorced that really minimizes court interaction, minimizes fighting, focuses on the future and developing strong communication skills with your partner so that even after the divorce, especially if you have kids, you've learned to communicate in a much more productive way. And so people should just be aware that there are options like that out there. It doesn't have to be this terrible, daunting thing. It can be done in in a little bit kinder, gentler way if both parties are willing to go about it that way. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow brought us conscious uncoupling, didn't she, where you can go on holiday with your ex and their new partners and it all works well, which sounds good. I think it can be challenging behind the scenes for everybody, even if that is the case. But, you know, obviously we would all want and aspire to have an amicable divorce. But if it is conflict and what I call aggressively severing, how do you best protect your kids from that? Because when you're going through those legal battles, it's all consuming and you're worried not only about the emotional stress and the lifestyle changes potentially, but you're also going to court can be quite intimidating. And if you're in the home and the kids are with you, how do you best protect kids from that? It's really hard. I think the number one thing you can do is not disparage the other parent to the kids. I think a lot of parents going through a divorce are so angry that they can't help themselves and they aren't able to put up that healthy boundary. But I think it can be very damaging for the kids to hear that you have a very negative view of the other parent because at the end of the day, those children are made up of the two of you. And so when you're making those comments, they're going to be taking that very personally and taking it very much to heart. And so I think that's really the number one thing you can do. I think another thing you can do is minimize the conflict that they see to the extent you can. Just, you know, really try to shield them from it and get them the counseling that they may need. I think one of the problems that you have when you're going through it. Like I was saying, my kids were young. I was working full time. I 
husband at the time was working full time. I mean, it's, there's so much pressure. Then you add this other huge thing that you're trying to manage to it all, and it can really push you to the breaking point. However, if you can focus on things like trying to stay hydrated and trying to take a deep breath and trying to get a good night's sleep, taking a walk for 10 minutes around the block, just try to do some self-care things because if you're in a better place, then you're going to show up better for your kids and you're going to help them handle it better because they're going to be picking up more on your self-care and your wellness than they are on your stress. That's easy to say and very hard to do, uh, <laughs> but it's it's something to think about or think about other ways that you can create a little bit of space for yourself. I think people are so hard on themselves when they're going through this process. And I know I was very hard on myself because you're feeling like, oh, this is a failure. This isn't how I wanted it to be. Whatever it is, whatever self-talk is running in your head. And a friend of mine said, you know, you're such a good friend to people. Be the friend to yourself that you are to others. And I thought, I don't know why I never thought of it that way. But yeah, that's you great. really got to kind of give yourself a break. This is hard stuff. And it's okay to feel overwhelmed, but, you know, just trying to breathe through it and take it one moment at a time, I think is the way to go. Sometimes people say, oh, take it one day at a time. When you're going through it, a day is too long. You might feel, I can't take it a day at a time. If I had to think about what I have to accomplish today, I'll not get out of bed. So, you know, sometimes I think you just have to take it a moment at a time. And sometimes a moment is, is long enough. Yeah, I like that because you're right. One day can seem like an eternity when you're having to go through paperwork for court and worry about everything as well as parent and be the friend and the daughter and whatever to everybody. I guess self-care is really important and looking after yourself is one way of managing it. When you're dealing with a lawyer, is there anything that you can do with your lawyer or maybe set up so that you don't get so bombarded by the fear that maybe dials down some of those negative emotions? Because I remember being a client going through a, a difficult divorce case. The emails from the other side can be very intimidating and scary. So do you have any advice for how to work with your lawyer just to take the edge off a little bit maybe with those kind of things? Yeah, that's a good question. I think talking to your lawyer about how you're going to communicate is really important because the same thing, I remember feeling like if I got an email from my then spouse or his lawyer. And it just, you feel almost like you're having a physical reaction to the email coming in. The email might not even be a bad, but you're just like, you know, you're on edge dealing with it. And I think that you can talk to your lawyer about having a conversation before they just forward you something from the other side, that the impact of it coming to you can be lessened. I also think that, you know, some of my clients, especially those who are going through a collaborative process will actually hire a coach to be very much involved in the negotiations, the process, and really kind of, whereas I'm the legal advocate, you know, the coach is there to really help them more emotionally and, and help them, you know, think about things in an optimistic way and really be integrated in part of the process. I think that can really soften the blow of some of the harsher communications that come through. Yes, I remember getting emails quite consistently at 5.30 on a Friday night from the other side, which would really destroy my weekend. It would you know, be intimidating. I guess it was designed to be. Mine was a quite a difficult divorce process. So I think it was trying to intimidate me into making decisions that maybe weren't 
best for me, but maybe better for the other side. So how do you sort of protect against that? Well, one of the things I do is I say, we're going to focus on what we can control. Okay. And one of the things we can control is how we respond to those emails that come in at 530. So a lot of it is within your control. You just might not feel like it is. So first of all, you don't have to open the email at 530 on Friday. Second of all, you can recognize that it's there, but just make a choice that you're going to, you know, put it in a place where it belongs to be. Not ruining your weekend, not, you know, taking over your life. You got to put it in perspective. It's just the next step in the process and we're going to handle it, you know, one step at a time. I often tell my clients, we're just going to take the next right step and we might not even know what that is yet, but we're going to talk about our options and then we're just going to take the next right step. Because otherwise you can kind of allow external events to whip you around. And we want to try to maintain a steady calm and just control what we can control. And one of the things we can control is how we react emotionally. Now, we're also going to respond in a way that's aggressive if it needs to be. And when the time is right, we're going to strike back <laughs> if we have to. But you can do that from a place of a calm foundation that doesn't make you feel like you're spinning out of control. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's easy to say, but it is much harder to do, obviously. And sometimes I ask my lawyer to say, don't send me anything after four o'clock on a Friday. Just don't, because there's nothing I can do about it other than worry over the weekend. And I learned pretty quick that the email I was worrying about in that moment, I'd have forgotten about in two weeks time and there'd be a new one to worry about. So actually it was a bit of a waste of energy. So just saying, give me the weekend off. I don't need to know if anything comes in and I'll deal with it next week. Or when you prefer to take your control back, I guess, over the things you can and protect you. Just... Communication roles with your lawyer can really help. Mm. Some of my clients are worried about going to ask for legal advice because they don't want to be seen as a gold digger. So the other side might be saying, well, you're just trying to take me to the cleaners, what is one of the phrases that we hear a lot in my coaching clinic. You know, he's saying, I'm taking him to the cleaners. But the other side is to find out what you're legally entitled to, right? So how do you strike that balance? And what would you advise clients who are finding themselves in that position? Well, I think it's very important that clients understand what the legal framework is and how the courts think about a division of assets especially in a case where you have one parent or one party who has been the primary breadwinner and another person who has contributed to the relationship in a different way, the courts are going to be protective of both sides. And the courts are going to try to strike a balance between both sides. And I don't think we should frame it in terms of being taken to the cleaners. We're going to frame it in terms of what's equitable result given the assets and debt in the case. And so I really think people should feel empowered by getting information about what they may be entitled to. Now, getting information about what you're entitled to doesn't mean that's what you're going to end up with. It doesn't mean that's what you're going to end up agreeing to. It's just a way to get information about how the process works and what you might be entitled to so that you can really make an informed decision about what you're comfortable agreeing with and not. Yeah, really good advice. I think getting the clarity just enables you to dial down some of that stress as to what the future might look like. And once you know that you can make your decision, because it's not just what you're entitled to, it's also what do you want and need as well in your life. So exactly. there's lots of things to take into consideration. And, and letting go of an external perception of what you're doing. 
this is the other thing. Nobody knows what you're going through really, truly, except for you. No one has lived in your shoes. Nobody has your children. Nobody has your spouse. So let everybody else just keep their opinions to themselves because you are going to do the best that you can do in the situation that you're dealt. And others' opinions of it, it is really, really not relevant. Absolutely. Totally agree with that one. That's for sure. <laughs> Tune them out. Tune them out. Don't listen. Okay. And having been in the industry for a while and having lots of experience and seen lots of divorce cases, are there any mistakes that you see people making that you would say, avoid this, don't do this? Yes, many. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the overarching things that I would say is you got to remember that when you're going through this, you might not be in the strongest position to be making the most rational choices right now. Okay. Emotions are high. You're going through something really difficult. And I see a lot of clients not really listen to the advice they're being given, or they run off and take unilateral action on a major financial issue. And then they call a week later and say, Oh, hey, you know, I did this. And what do you think? And it's like, I think that really, that was a bad idea. You shouldn't have done that. But it's much harder to undo. So I would say that one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is they take unilateral action, either with their finances or their kids, and they think they're doing the right thing. They think they know that this is the right thing, and they're going to worry about the consequences later. And then they don't like it that that ends up being used against them throughout the course of the proceedings. So that's one of the things I would say. The other thing that I would say is it's really important to create, when you're thinking about like your financial life during the divorce and after the divorce. It's really important to create a realistic budget about where you're going next, how you're going to live, what your expenses really look like, and how you're going to have income to make that budget work. Many times, I think people have a hard time adjusting from, okay, well, we have this joint income and we have one house and we have one set of utilities and this are vacations that we've always taken and we're going to keep doing this. And as a practical matter, maybe you are going to keep doing. And then sometimes you're just not. And having a really realistic budget for what this is going to look like for you at the end of the relationship, I think is really an important thing. Well, I think that's really good there because I think a lot of clients are terrified of changes in lifestyle. And that is one of the major causes of the emotional stress and overwhelm and also the conflict. Because when you're fighting over who's having the grand piano or the table that's the dining table right now in one of the homes, it can be really stressful. And I think people cling on to things without taking time to step back and see what is actually viable financially. But also, this is a chance to detox your life and start redesigning. And it's not about holding on to the past. And I think sometimes the divorce process keeps you so focused on the past that you don't take step out to look for what could I have? And this is my chance to redesign my life just the way I want it. So I want to detox some of this stuff. I don't want the table. I don't want the piano. Right. I'm going to get an electric keyboard and I'm going to do something different. I don't know. But don't you think there's a chance here to step off that looking over your shoulder and start to look forward? Absolutely. And to focus on three or four things. One of the things I tell my clients, focus on three or four things that are the most important to you. And those are going to be the three or four things that we focus on and that we fight about. 
And we're not going to spend time, money, and resources on the coffee table. We're just not going to fight about that because we want to keep our focus on the big picture. Um, The other thing that I think is really important to do is people sometimes have a belief that I can't get divorced because I can't afford it, or I can't do this because. And you want to get yourself information so that you can see whether or not that belief you're holding is even the case. The better financial picture you have, so it's not just about creating a budget, you know, make a list of your assets and liabilities and your accounts and be realistic about your debt. You may see that shedding a person who has helped put you in debt is going to be the best financial decision that you've ever made. You might feel like in the moment you can't afford to get divorced, but understanding your financial picture is going to give you the information you need to test that belief. And also to see a very clear path forward to, like you said, redesigning in a way that helps you move forward in a, in a way that you're happier than you ever have been. Yeah. And as my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness, I think it's important to think about what makes you happy because if you don't, you won't even know it when you find it. So what is happiness for you, Marcy, after your divorce and moving on and being so successful in your career? What makes you happy? What makes me happy is having a sense of inner peace. And I have never been happier in my life than when I'm in a space where the work I'm doing is tied to what I'm passionate about and tied to my purpose. And also just feeling at peace when I'm with my kids. And I don't know, to me, inner peace is happiness. And I've been able to find that. Oh, I love that inner peace. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) I think we'll all sign up for some more of that. So how can my listeners find out more about you, Marcy? Um, Great. Well, they can uh, visit my website, which is lotuslegalsolutions.com, or they can check out my podcast, which is divorcewhattoexpectpodcast.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been great sharing your views and hearing what you've got to say because you've got so much experience. I really appreciate you joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really my pleasure. I'm so happy. Oh, thank you everybody for listening. That is it for today's episode. Be sure to head over to Marcy's website, lotuslegalsolutions.com or check out her podcast, divorcewhattoexpectpodcast.com. And I look forward to you joining me on our next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review in iTunes will win the chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day, including exclusive one-on-one coaching with Sarah Davison herself. Be sure to head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Sarah's gift. Then join us on the next episode.